Hey, this is Joe Castiglione, and you're listening to Not Another Sox Podcast with Matt Cavall, Matt LeBeau, and Jack Webster. Can you believe it? amigos and welcome to episode 36 of not another socks podcast i am jack webster here with matt galvale matt lebeau as always fellas we're past the trade deadline yeah dude it's been a long day long uh few weeks you know leading up to the uh the deadline here and there was a busy day uh you know around baseball in general and uh, obviously the red sox made a couple of moves the last couple days and uh yeah, look forward to uh, breaking it all down. Yeah, hug watch was on for Mac Alveo as he did get uh, dealt to the Arizona Diamondbacks yeah. um, as part of a. Uh, it was actually a three-team deal. Um, the other team was the uh, Portland Pickles, so we actually were able to acquire <laughs> Portland Pickle as part of the deal. Really excited about him. Um, but yeah, obviously, you know, a crazy couple of weeks. A lot, lot happened. Um, this is our first show in a while, so. Definitely excited to get it underway and, and you know, get it popping. Yeah, absolutely. We we didn't know what direction really the team was going to take. Nonetheless, when we last recorded nearly two weeks ago now, but we didn't know, you know, the direction where it was going to be 72, 48 hours ago even. So uh, there was a lot of moves that were surprising, a lot of non-moves that were surprising as well uh, to some degree. But um, definitely, you know, um, I think we ended up improving on the major league level along with the minor league level uh, with some of the moves that we made. Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, you know, the, the Vasquez deal was, was the big one, um, you know, that happened yesterday. Um, you know, it's always tough seeing a guy, um, you know, of his stature, obviously he was a really important piece. Um, he's a, you know, he's a great catcher. Um, you know, he was, he was really beloved in the, in the clubhouse as well, you know, played a big role, um, especially in 2018 and even last year in the run, to, um, you know, to game six, of the ALCS, um, you know, he, he was definitely a big part of it. Um, obviously you got, uh, uh, some prospects in return to, you know, help build your farm system there. So, um, you know, that, that was good in, in that sense to, um, you know, improve the, uh, you know, the prospect pool and, you know, hopefully, use that uh, to your advantage uh, down the road. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think um, <laughs> some of the players uh, definitely were were hurt by it. Um, obviously, he was like I said, he was big in the clubhouse. So it was uh, I, I think it was a move, though, that probably, you know, had to be done, um, you know, if you would say. But uh, yeah, I mean, that was obviously the big the big move that was done yeah. uh, by the Red Sox, though. Yeah, for sure. Um, at the end of the day, I hate, you know, I hate a prospect hoarding organization. I don't want them to hoard prospects. I want them to get major league ready players. And, uh, but more importantly, major league players that are, you know, under team control, they're on team friendly deals. And I think that trading a guy that has two months left on his contract, that is relatively an average catcher at the end of the day, he's a good player and he's had a great offensive season so far, but behind the plate, he's very average at best. And, um, you know, he did have, have seven home runs last year. I don't really think that, 
it, it's going to make or break how the, the team um, does for the rest of the year. And I know there's a lot of emotional attachments to a guy that's, you know, been with the organization since 2008. But the the prospect that they got back, like everyone just thinks, oh, these, these are just two, you know, shit dick prospects. I mean, Valdez is a really good player. Um, and I think that he can be useful either in another trade or, you know, as part of the organization moving forward. So we'll see. Yeah, no, you kind of touched upon it. I mean, uh, obviously, you know, major league catching is never easy to come across, especially in this day and age where you see a lot of guys, you know, take a lot of defense first or, you know, or hitting first type of guy. And then you have Vasquez who's, you know, been pretty okay, exactly okay at, you know, both of those things throughout his Red Sox career. And that's been great to have on a team-friendly deal for sure. But, you know, he is producing offensively this year, so you sold a bit high on him. Uh, you saw the catching market really be steep this year. Cubs didn't even end up uh, moving on from Wilson Contreras because they didn't get their price point for it. So, really, at yeah. the end of the day, if you have really the only catching uh, trade piece out there, you, they ended up getting as much as possible with that two months that they're trading him away for. And, uh, LeBeau, you're touching on it. Uh, Manuel Valdez, he's been absolutely raking uh, this season here. I pulled up his stats. He's batting 327 with a 410 on base and a 606 slugging with 21 home runs between double uh, A AA and triple A this year. I mean, uh, his real big defect is his defense. So we'll find a position for him. But when you're able to get a bat that, you know, can possibly contribute at a major league level for two months of a catcher, uh, you, you got to do that deal. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And at the end of the day, like I said, I know that taking out the emotional aspect of it, um, I thought it was really a no brainer. But more importantly, again, the Red Sox, they're not like they're not rebuilding. They're not hoarding prospects. They're just trying to retool a little bit. You know, they're just trying to move some guys around to ultimately be a little more sustainable long term. I hit the fucking mute button by accident. <laughs> soccer. Rookie mistake. Uh, find some find some more sustainable contracts long term that are team friendly, team control. And I think that they'll go out and get a catcher because worst case scenario, if you held on to Vasquez and you got nothing for him, you were going to be left with a decision in the offseason too. You could re-sign him or let him walk. If you let him walk, you get nothing. If you re-sign him, then you're going to drastically overpay for a catcher because the catching market is so terrible free agent-wise that you probably want to have to pay him 13 maybe even $14 million a year. That's a really bad allocation of funds when you're trying to be mindful of you know, we need to sign Bogarts, we need to sign Devers, you know, allocated money to Story, JD's coming off the books, what are you going to do with him? You know, guys, like, there's other important fish to fry. So I hope that they can retool and get a catcher in the offseason that's a little team-friendly, maybe like a Sean Murphy. And honestly, if there was one guy that you shopped and then re-signed, it would be Christian Vasquez, he would still yeah. take any discount that, you know, the team would give him. So I'm not even p throwing that out. I would like actually Sean Murphy is probably my number one target for the offseason. He might cost you a good amount because there is three years of control on Oakland side there. 
but you're getting, you know, it's very solid offensive guy and uh, someone who's pretty good behind the plate as well. So we'll worry about that problem. You know, once November rolls around, uh, we're, we're just kind of going with, you know, the guys that we got right now, which, you know, is probably not going to be too much of a production wise difference at the end of the day. Hopefully it's a positive there. And I mean, we did, you know, improve uh, at other positions that probably needed more help um, with at least like um, not getting negative production. Literally, like half the guys that we got at the deadline were just to replace the negative productions that we've had at several positions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Jack, you mentioned the catching market, obviously, with Contreras and even Sean Murphy was a guy that was getting shopped around too. obviously the. Prices on those guys were were pretty steep, so I think Hein Bloom did pretty well for you know what he had. Obviously, Vasquez was one of the guys that was on the market, um, you know, heading into the deadline too. So uh, you know, I think you know getting a couple of good pros, uh, obviously that really good prospect in Valdez. Um, you know, I think Hein Bloom did pretty well for what he had with uh, with Vasquez. Yeah, no, absolutely, and and it's not like you didn't replace it. Like it's it's not like we don't have a major league catcher now. Like uh, McGuire is a major league catcher. You know, I know he's not our, the most popular guy because he was beating the shit out of his dick in, 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 a, <laughs> in a minivan uh, in Dunedin, which, trust me, people in Florida have done a lot worse than that. Was, um, that's pretty tame yeah. for Florida. Yeah, that was really tame for Florida. The cops were like, oh, nice. It's a nice, easy day. Um, but realistically, like, he is a major league catcher and he's a, a significant upgrade defensively. And he's obviously a downgrade offensively, but the thing is they got better offensively everywhere else. So we can kind of touch on some of the other trades, but more importantly, the guy who just scored from first, Tommy Pham, an upgrade offensively. Yep. I I feel like we didn't talk about him getting caught masturbating in a Florida parking lot long (laughs) enough. No, he didn't. Because I think that was like the initial reaction from everybody on Twitter. Like, hey, don't Google why this guy was in the news two years ago. Like, yep. literally, he got caught masturbating in his car and then a global pandemic happened. I, 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 the thing is, I vividly remember that happening. I just didn't know, like, that's who it was. And when I saw the article that that was him, I was like, I remember reading this article. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, I, I knew immediately. It took me about two and a half seconds to put two and two together that he was the carjacker. Yeah, it took him <laughs> a little more than two and a half seconds. <laughs> hey. yeah. No, but yeah, so it's I, like just real quick. It, it's like this is not a, a podcast a bit. Like this is no. it, the Red Sox catcher was actually caught jerking off in his car. So for I think all you well, recording of it. Is there any way we can drop that in, Galveo? Into the Bully Hill party deck, Reese McGuire collects his third of the season. Prior to being called up to the Blue Jays, Reese McGuire played for the AAA Buffalo Bisons. According to the Pinellas County Arrest Report, when deputies arrived at this parking lot at Patricia and Maine in Dunedin at 2 in the afternoon on Friday, they spotted McGuire naked from the waist down. The report indicates there was an extremely pornographic video on his cell phone and was Without getting too graphic, deputies say he wasn't here shopping. Deputies say McGuire apologized, saying he was sorry repeatedly. When asked why his pants were down, he replied, quote, I really shouldn't have been doing that. They also wrote McGuire had just finished a practice at the team's facility in Dunedin, had a bite to eat, and then ended up in this parking lot. What a gritty guy, though. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to... 
you just the mood just catches you and you just gotta you just gotta crank it dude you know fuck yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, i've heard of weirder it, it's fine right and like we said it's tame very tame for Flo- florida man uh, jacking off in his car is not the worst headline you've ever seen not even close and of course it's like the name like reese mcguire it's never like jeremy smith it's yeah. like the guy that you like will fucking recognize the name of immediately yep <laughs> and then not only that we're not not only do we get that funny trade but we got another funny trade yeah. uh like lebeau was mentioning in uh tommy fam as well so i think you know another guy when you first mention his name one certain incident comes to mind yep <laughs> dude slapped another grown man over fantasy football <laughs> yep. and then like cried about it for two weeks after tommy fam and jock peterson honestly when we got tommy fam when the news broke i was just like you know what might as well just go out and get jock peterson and make this a very interesting clubhouse <laughs> with the two of those two of those guys face to face every day and mike trout <laughs> and mike trout right yeah exactly <laughs> I, I just it's it's so funny because it's like the first one it was McGuire and it was like oh yeah this is the guy that got uh, caught jerking off in a car I was like fuck and then it was like oh Tommy Pham oh this is the guy that that you know got in a fight over fantasy football it's like Jesus Christ you can't get your break <laughs> but I mean all in all like that's fine I, I I like Tommy Pham I have no problem with him you know yeah. it, it's fine I mean it's He's a decent player. Like these are domestic abuse issues. It's not like it's fucking uh, 25 cases of sexual assault or anything like right. that. You know, it, yeah. it, it was a slap and it was a jerk off. Like they, these, these are forgivable things. Yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> Absolutely. We've all been there, man. Yeah, it's not. This is no fucking Domingo Herman or, you know, Sean Watson. <laughs> no, no. But uh, no, I mean, Tommy Pham is a very suitable player and obviously gives you a lot more depth in the outfield. Um, you know, and he he's a guy that can obviously, you know, now your outfield could, you know, Verdugo, you got um, Tommy Pham and then now you got uh, well, you got JBJ, you got Duran. Um, so your outfield becomes deep and you have, you know, a lot of different options, you know, with bringing in a guy like Tommy Pham. So Another guy that, you know, it obviously helps you, you get a little bit better and you get a little bit deeper as well. No, absolutely. I, I, I'll i take it again. Your One of your biggest issues, one of your biggest holes was the outfield so far this year. Having to play Jackie Bradley Jr., you know, every day obviously isn't the best when it comes to um, the, the lineup. So that will alleviate some pressure off of him. Um, it'll give you more options, you know, to move guys for example, like if, you know, Franchi Cordero comes back up, then he can be used as what he is instead of like, you know, first baseman. Um, doesn't really handcuff you. It gives you a lot of options. Fine, fine move. Fine, give up nothing for him. Fine move. Totally fine. Yeah. He sure is a point six war player that, that you know, and yeah. that's an improvement over what we've had a lot of times this season. So, uh, you know, it'll fit in well he's gonna be you know a bit more of a platoon guy hopefully down the stretch you know um if we are able to kind of work that out a little bit more he's definitely gonna start against lefties a lot of times so um you know we gave up nothing for him we gave up a player to be named later in cash considerations you know you never know who might be with one of those guys but 
Um, yeah, I really can't wait for Tommy Pham to be the surprise version of Steve Pierce from 2018 <laughs> and yep. like have nobody suspect it and then <laughs> have him like have the Tommy Pham game where like he uh, hits a two run home run in the bottom of the eighth and then throws out a runner at uh, third base to end the game. It's almost like we should have acquired a player like that um, uh, when we had the chance. Wake up, babe. Tommy Pham just hit a walk-off home run in Game 7 of the ALCS. Yeah. <laughs> it really it, it really is always those, those you know, not like the sexiest moves that, like, end up doing something and end up actually really helping out. So, hey, you never know. Tommy Pham could be a big addition here. He could be. And I'm, not, I'm certainly not ready to give up on this team. And I think that, you know, like, for, for me, I, I was kind of almost hoping that they would just kind of sell um, because of, like, how many – you know, injuries and how many things just went wrong. Just obviously just not their year, but I'm certainly not ready to say like this team has no chance to compete or make the playoffs. I mean, at the end of the day, they're three games out of a playoff spot. You know, I mean, it's very doable. One of the teams that they're behind is the freaking Baltimore Orioles who just traded yeah. Trey Mancini and their closer. Um, so I'm not worried about them, you know, more worried about like Seattle, you know, Toronto, Tampa, et cetera. So, um, so it could end up being a really good move. Bottom line is the guys on the team have to play better. Those are the guys that it's going to, it's going to come down to, you know, getting Devers back is the biggest, uh, trade deadline acquisition that you could, you could, you could ask for. Yeah. Health is a big thing. I mean, if you can get some of these guys healthy that are out right now, I mean, you could be right back in it. Um, and in the same thing, I mean, core has mentioned it after a lot of these games too, is, you know, they just need to play better baseball at the end of the day. You, you can't, um, the talents there, they have guys that can play. I mean, this isn't a team that's filled with scrubs. I mean, this is a team that has a lot of, you know, uh, a lot of talented players mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's just playing, playing better, just playing better. snapping out of this funk here. Um, because they can do it. I mean, they've showed it in the past. And, you know, once guys get healthy and they come back and you have, uh, you know, a, a fuller roster, you know, who knows what can happen? Yep. No, this team's not bad. They are very talented, like we've said. But they've just played sloppy, especially over the month of July. Like, if they can somehow turn the page, they're currently 1-0 in the month of August, uh, currently playing their second game right now as we record. Uh, but if you're able to actually just play better, win a few more of those games where Ferranchi Cordero doesn't drop a pop up from first base and right. Jose Trevino gets to second and stuff like that, you are going to hopefully just be able to, you know, make a wild card spot, um, you know, pass on. But th- it really comes down to just playing better because you're not going to beat any of the ALA's teams that make it into the playoffs. You're not going to beat the Astros if you make it into the playoffs. If you play like we have been, even if you somehow make it, that's really what it's going to come down to at the end of the day. You know, no fancy uh, acquisition was really going to be that big difference maker. Um, So uh, hopefully, you know, that's more of the case moving forward. Maybe some of these moves were somewhat of a wake up call to some specific players, certainly that, you know, are probably going to get less playing time now, like Bobby Dahlbeck and even JBJ when he's on the road and, uh, you know, Kevin Ploiecki, since, you know, they're not going to have him be starting every day either. So hopefully, you know, that helps turn a page and um, uh, we can actually be a better club because I think, you know, 
uh, we're in that same boat a little bit this time last year as well. Yeah, and and at the end of the day, I mean, a lot of the, the sloppy play comes down to guys just being out of position, right? Like, you know, French Gruder is not a first baseman. So now, you know, you get Eric Hosmer, who is one of the better defensive first basemen that you really could ask for. I mean, honestly. So and you get him for nothing. You get yeah. him for for absolutely for absolutely nothing. That's I mean, the big thing. That's right. that's good. I mean, good on Heim to be able to get that done. Where you know the Padres are paying his entire salary, so you get a free. You get a guy at first for free who's an actual first baseman. Actual yeah. first baseman. Yep. And I, I guess that was another thing that kind of went under the radar. Like I guess he's really like mentored Tristan Cassis. Like he's like worked with him a lot. They went to the same high school, apparently. Right. Obviously, you know, years and years apart, but same hometown, you know, type of connection. So um, I think, you know, that honestly did factor in to the Red Sox decision making there since, um, you know, I think in a few years, uh, you know, depending on what happens with Hosmer, it's almost going to be forgotten that he was, should have been part of the Juan Soto trade to San Diego. <laughs> and they were just like, no, I don't want to go to you know, the Washington Nationals who are going to be in a fucking rut for the next five years, probably. And then uh, he ended up, you know, going to a team actually competing. So, you know, it worked out well for him. Uh, you, you, I'm sure if you're Eric Hosmer, you would much rather go to Boston than uh, going to Washington, D.C. right now. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and again, also, you know, like for Hosmer, if he's going to be in Boston for the next three years, which there's no guarantee because that contract now is, I mean, now it's the best. It becomes the most desirable contract in sports because he's not a league minimum player. I mean, he's not anything special, obviously, at this point. But he's not a league minimum player. But the team that acquires him will have to pay him league minimum, um, which is unbelievable. So you get him for basically free, and you can have him for the next three years. I mean, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. and you have flexibility, like you said. You could just you could move him too. Yep. Um, you know, if you if you really wanted to. Um, which, which is great. So all around, it's a, I mean, it's a, I think at first people weren't sure about it, but then when it came out that, you know, you really, you didn't, you got him for nothing, um, really don't have to pay him anything. Um, you know, it becomes a, a, a really good move and you finally fill that hole at first base, which has been uh, a hole the entire year. I mean, even for the last few years, really, um, you really haven't had a legitimate first baseman there. And now you got a guy in Hosmer who's a veteran. Um, and he can help your team right now, and he fills the biggest hole that your team has had, you know, for a little while here. So yeah, it, it definitely takes some pressure off of Ian Bloom this offseason too, because the first thing that everyone would have said was, "We need a first baseman, need a first baseman." Now, like you said, obviously, hole the hole is filled, and now he can he can say that position secured. Now I don't need to you know utilize prospects to go and fill that position. We're fine with Hosmer; he's not going to be the best player on the team, obviously. He'll probably bat like, you know, seventh or whatever. But he that position's filled for a very team-friendly deal and don't have to worry about it. Now we can work on filling the other holes, you know, catcher, um, the outfield, um, yeah. uh, starting pitching, the bullpen. So it's good. No, and I mean, I think, honestly, a change of scenery is going to help him a bit, too. He was hated in San Diego. They hated sure. him over there. And, you know, that happens with players over here too, like Pablo Sandoval and Carl Crawford, you know, uh, Joey Gallo with the Yankees, like these things, you know, do happen, but hopefully, you know, um, with almost no pressure on him here, I think that's probably going to be the best thing. Hopefully he can use the monster really well. I know he's a 
big opposite field hitter. And I mean, honestly, just a guy that can catch the ball routinely over at first base is what we need. He's a 1.5 war player this year. You'll take that over a negative 0.5 player in fucking Bobby Dahlbeck and Franchi Cordero. Literally, we got better by just getting an actual body out there. Just, yeah. a, just literally a body. And and honestly, you, that's exactly correct. Great point. There is less than zero pressure on Eric Hosmer, really for the first time in his career. Because when he was at Kansas City, obviously he was a superstar, had pressure, won a World Series. Then when he was with San Diego, now he signed this big deal there's pressure to perform. That was San Diego's like first big free agent signing. That was like the Padres were so bad for so long. And they were like, yeah. all right, we just need to fucking sign someone because, you know, this is just getting ridiculous. And they signed Eric Hosmer and it was like not really a great deal. They gave him way too much money. But um, there's literally no pressure. He, he, if he sucks, then the Red Sox aren't paying him anything. If he's great, then awesome. I mean, you can't really go wrong. Right. It's a win-win situation, really, at the end of the day. It is. And, and I think he saw he's he's like a 340-something hitter at Fenway, like, in his career, which is good. Yeah, he mashes at Fenway. Yeah. <laughs> Not to mention, we got two other guys back for him. Yeah. <laughs> and all we had to give up was Jay Groove, one of the biggest first-round busts we've had since <laughs> Devin Marrero. Actually, Devin Marrero made the Major League roster fucking Trey Ball, Jay Groom, like, uh, these fucking guys, I'm so glad they're just out of the organization because I'm just fucking done with them. Like, Jay Groom, bye. GTFO, never want to think about you again. You're an absolute fucking waste of a first-round draft pick. Jesus fucking Christ. Jack Jack is a huge Jay Groom guy, as you can tell. (laughs) I couldn't be happier to see Jay Groom gone. Um, it's crazy how many draft picks the Red Sox missed on early. I mean, between the Red Sox and the Bruins, Jesus Christ, they could have field, fielded Hall of Fame-level yeah. teams with the guys that they could have drafted instead of the guys that they drafted. And it really is sad, you know, because Jay Groom, a lot of potential, and, and Trey Ball, too. I mean, that's another one just where I, I, it's unbelievable. That was the Red Sox' first really bad year when they had that that draft pick too. That was the 2012 year, so they drafted him in 2013. So it was like him too. But yeah, glad he's gone. They're stockpiling prospects. They got two prospects. Who cares if they're fucking good or not? They have them. They're assets. That's the best way to look at it. They're assets. They can trade them in the offseason right. for a relief for anyone. You're you're missing a piece. Okay, we have so many prospects now to play with. Let's go out and trade for a reliever. Let's go out and trade, you know, for a, a catcher. Let's go out and, you know, trade for a starting pitcher with one year left on his deal. Let's go out and make a deadline move next next offseason. You know, stockpile these guys. It's good. Which is yeah. good to have. You know, it gives you assets, like you said, and you can improve your team with them, which is right. that's the whole point of having a farm system, having, you know, prospects and in, in, in stockpiling them is to use them to better your team. Um in the long run, because I feel like too many times, sometimes teams just like you, you mentioned it, LeBeau, like the Red Sox sometimes like where Heim Bloom's a guy that likes to hoard prospects and it's just like, yeah. use them, use them if you have them. Yeah. Got to use them. And, and like, I think that the people get, uh, get like confused with uh, spending money versus like prospects. Like the reason why the Dodgers are, 
as good as they are and, and they have as good of a team as they do and Padres is not because they spend an absorbent amount of money, which they do spend. But, I mean, the Padres have a, a lower payroll than the Red Sox. The reason why they can acquire guys is they are a, a self-sustaining organization that, you know, drafts really well, scouts really well, has really good international free agent signings. Uh, same thing with the Houston Astros. The Astros are not in the top five in terms of payroll, but they're a borderline 100-win team every single year, and they compete for a World Series every single year. It doesn't come from, like, like money. If the Red Sox aren't being cheap. They're just trying to be sustainable. Right. The Red Sox are okay with having a top-five payroll if if they know they're going to be like a World Series team. Right now, they have a top-five payroll, and they don't have a World Series caliber team. So how do you get to be a top-five payroll and a World Series caliber team? And you need to build from the ground up. So it's not that Bloom is scrapping the organization. I mean, he just signed fucking Trevor Story. It's such a stupid argument. Like, they're not the Rays. He just signed Trevor Story. So he's just trying to retool a little bit, move some things around. I know everyone liked Christian Vasquez, but Jesus Christ, I didn't know how many people were a goddamn AAU coach, for fuck's sake. I mean, the guy, like, you know, I mean, the guy's a good player, but you, you, you act like you were taking swings with him, you know, back in fucking Puerto Rico in 2005 because he has two months left on his fucking deal. Like, people need to grow up a little bit. I mean, it's Christian Vasquez. You know, last year, everyone wanted him gone. Everyone wanted him fucking DFA'd last year. Now, yes, he's having a good year. And everyone he has two months left on his deal, and everyone is upset that they, they made the most sensible move and basic move in sports. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And you always hear the argument like, oh, we're turning into uh, the Rays. The Rays are ahead of us. The Rays are able <laughs> to do this year in and year out. The Rays traded Willie Adamas and then replaced him with Wander Franco last, uh, last year. Like, I... <laughs> Why why are you against being the Rays? That that's you know one thing that's always kind of annoyed me with all that. And you know, at the end of the day, we're not being the Rays either because we have tried sign Trevor Story. Uh, we do actually care about getting butts in seats, even to you know round out the season here and not be fucking dog shit. Like the Rays have the luxury of actually fucking tanking where, you know, if we do that here, you know, it's going to be a year and a half before we fill out the stadium again. So it, it actually matters more up here. People follow the fucking team. The people don't follow the team down in Tampa. They can do whatever they want. So it is very different. And even if it wasn't different, then uh, um, that, that would still be fine as well. Yeah, I, I, I'd love to be the Rays, just a richer version of the Rays. Yeah. So everyone everyone thinks of that as such like a negative connotation. But I mean, they were in a world they were in a World Series two years ago. Um, That's just the I'm, Dodgers, right? And they should have they should have won. They should have won. Over management lost them that World Series. Um, but you know, I'd love to be a richer version of the Rays, and I think that a good a good team to look at that is a richer version of the Rays. I wouldn't say is the Dodgers because the Dodgers are like the super rich, but a richer version of the Rays is like the Astros or the Padres, or you know you could even look at like the, maybe the, the the Mets are probably like on the, the spectrum of like the Dodgers, like the Dodgers, Mets, and Yankees. Put those in, a, in in a different tier, but then you have the Cardinals, the Padres, the Red Sox, the Giants, you know the Astros. Those are that's like your next tier. Those are the organizations that the Red Sox they're going to be they're going to be in there. I mean. It's and it's fine to be. I mean, you, you're not. I'm sorry, you're not in a New Yorker in LA. Like Boston is a huge sports market and it's a huge baseball market, but it's not New York. There's not fucking 10 million people here. 
it's not L.A. You know, you're 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 not. It's not a city of 11 million people. I mean, you you got to work within the barometers of what's possible. The, the stadium holds 37,500. You're never going to be the Dodgers, but you can be sustainable year in and year out by retooling and reshaping and, and being creative. That's all. Right, and Heim Bloom's a guy that can you know that you're you're paying to to hopefully do that. And um, yeah, and he's he, he's hopefully starting to do that too. Um, one thing that I, I think is, is that they could probably take away from this deadline is you know in the clubhouse is yeah they got rid of Christian Vasquez who was a you know in a pure you know clubhouse mentality yeah he was he was huge in there players loved him all that stuff but I think now that you know obviously the dust is settled on the trade deadline. That's over with, you know, keeping guys like J.D. and Evaldi, um, you know, guys that are set to be free agents at the end of the year. Not trading those guys, I feel like maybe um, puts a little bit more believability in the clubhouse saying that, OK, we're not full sellers. So they, you know, management still feels like we can make a run and we can hopefully do something in the postseason, um, mm-hmm. you know, if we get there. Um, because if obviously if you trade a guy like JD or Evaldi, then that sends the message that, you know, there really isn't a shot that we're going to do anything uh, this year. But I think keeping those guys, um, you know, kind of sends the message that they're not waving the white flag and, you know, they're still in it to win. And, you know, Heim Blue mentioned it, you know, this afternoon that, you know, he still believes this team can can make a run and, and make the postseason and, you know, can can maybe make a run if if they get in. So um, he still has you know a belief in this team, and I think um, the moves that he made, um, you know, with filling first base, with getting outfield help, and keeping guys like JD and Navaldi that are going to be huge down the stretch, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of just uh, that you know kind of just says that. So yeah, and, and I would definitely agree. One thing that um, like. I saw that Tanner Bogart said that he was like, you know, a little upset about the Vasquez trade, whatever. And like, I think that the fans are, are seeing that because it's an emotional reaction. And obviously they're really close. Like they're best friends, you know, like they've been on the, with the same organization their whole careers. And like it, people are like, Oh, you're going to like burn the bridge with Xander Bogart. It's like, dude, if Xander Bogart is not going to resign here because they traded Christian Vasquez with two months left on his deal, then that's his fucking problem. Like, that's just weird. Like, that's just weird yeah. fucking behavior. Yeah. That's not realistic, though. It's not going to happen like that. Like, he's either, he, if he's not going to resign here, it's because they didn't offer him enough money. It's not because they didn't fucking... It's not because they traded Christian Vasquez on August 1st with two months left on his, on his deal for a, a decent prospect. And I know Xander Bogus doesn't care about prospects, but that's not, that's not the point. The point is that... If he doesn't understand the necessity to trade a guy who has two months of team control for a guy that has a lot more than that, then that's his problem. You know, I, I think that it shouldn't burn a bridge. It does show that they're still willing to compete for this year, for sure. Yeah. I mean, if you did trade Avaldi and JD and whoever else, then yeah, that's a legitimate gripe that you're not trying for this season. That at that point you are right kind of waving the white flag saying, hey, we're on to 2023 at this point. But that wasn't the case. Of course, you know, um, Heimblum was doing his due diligence, listening on J.D. Martinez and Nathan Evaldi because it was a seller's market. You can do things to not only help 
you know, in the future with a trade like that, you can help with the present in a trade like that, as we saw with some of the other moves that were made, not only by us, but around the league as well. But I mean, uh, from what it was sounded like, you know, the price was very high on them and Bloom did not come down on it, which is the exact right move. You only do it if the deal is right. So very right. glad that they ended up staying there. Those are guys that are going to help us compete for, uh, you know, a playoff spot this season. And then, you know, who knows after that, we'll worry about that uh, late September, early October, and then hopefully uh, a little bit later on beyond that. But, um, you know, for right now, these are the moves that are uh, going to help your team. We're a better team than we were 48 hours ago. That's sure. probably the most important thing at the end of the day here. We got sure. better. And, you know, it's pretty rare that you get better on the major league level and somehow on the minor league level as well. Absolutely. It is very rare. That's a really good point. I mean, at the end of the day, I'll, I'll take the combination of Hosmer, Pham, and McGuire over the combination of Vasquez, Dahlbeck, and JBJ any day of the week, offensively and defensively, realistically. I mean, definitely defensively. Offensively, you have a little bit of an argument because the gap between Vasquez and McGuire is big. But then also, I think the gap between Hosmer and Dahlbeck, given how bad Dahlbeck is, is significant enough to say, you know, that that's that's not even close. And then JBJ, obviously, he's an awesome defensive player. Love the guy, but he can't hit for a fucking dick. No. So. Right now, Valdez is probably better than any of those, uh, or like fucking JBJ or Franchi out there. I mean, the guy has hit 21 home runs in the minor leagues this year which has pretty much been the same production as our total outfield in terms of home runs. So hopefully, you know, um, you don't even have to rush him at the end of this season. But I honestly think, you know, this is a guy that can be a major league uh, baseball player. He's kind of finding his own position right now. But, you know, that works out for us as well, because we can say like, hey, we're going to try you at first. We're going to try you at left. We're going to try you at second base uh, for whatever you know, we think our long-term need is the most and then just have them focus on that one position. So I think him being in the Red Sox organization is going to help him out, you know, have a better uh, window to the major leagues as well, where you don't have to worry about literally an all-star at every position. So, yeah, um, so I, I really do think that, you know, we potentially got six years of a, not only a good major league outfielder, but a guy that, you know, could be a above average guy for us moving forward. And for two months of a rental that you're not going to do any better than that. No, absolutely not. And, and if you think about it, Valdez, he has a thousand OPS this year, right? Between triple a and double a, he has like a, it's like a nine sixty one OPS in triple a. And it's like, I was like a close to 1100 in double a. So say it's a thousand. I mean, at, at the end of the day, the, O- average OPS of the outfield is probably something more around, around like 680, 700, right? I would agree. Low you, 700s. If low 700s. That. All right. Maybe because Verdugo is probably like what, like 750 or something like that. And then Duran's like six something and, and JBJ's like in the fives. I mean, so you could make the argument that he would probably be like one or two in OPS if he got called up right now, like right, right now. And you just said like play the rest of the season. He'd probably finish one or two, honestly which is crazy. But given his minor league numbers, I think there's enough to say that this year that he's a good enough hitter to be in the Red Sox outfield right now. And I'm not even, I I don't think that's a stretch at all. No, definitely not. And another, uh, another thing is too, with the, with the Hosmer uh, trade, 
Um, you don't have to rush a guy like, uh, you know, Tristan Cassis, who, you know, who is getting to the point where Bobby Dalbeck and Franchi Cordero were that bad, where I think you were thinking about almost kind of pushing the panic button and just calling him up just because there was really no other option. Um, Absolutely. So that's a good thing with with the guy like bringing in a guy like Hosmer, a veteran guy, you you just can you can keep Cassius down and uh, you can give him more reps uh, in the minors and, you know, you don't have to rush him. Um, you know, you don't have to rush him up to the majors, which is, which is another good thing, um, with getting a guy like Hosmer and filling that position. Yeah. And you have some options for next year. So like, if you say, you know, if you want Cassis to play first base full time next year, you can move Hosmer to DH because if JD doesn't come back or if they don't fill that DH spot, then you can move Hosmer over to DH. So, I mean, it opens up a lot of options. You get a little more flexible and a little more team friendly. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, the one thing I do wish that we got was another reliever. I mean, you did lose Deekman. He's very replaceable. Not worried about replacing his production by any means. In a few years, I'm going to forget that he was even on this fucking team. So, um, uh, yeah. it would have been nice. You know, I do like holding on to a lot of our top 10 prospects. We didn't give anybody good up, but, um, and now, you know, you do have a little bit of a better path from the uh, 7th, 8th, 9th with Schreiber, Whitlock, and Hauk. But, you know, you can never have too much pitching. You know, uh, maybe even a guy with team control like Bednar or somebody else like that probably would have helped the team. You know, I don't know what the price tag would have quite been on that. You saw the Yankees give up, you know, decent guys for whoever that Eflin or whatever his name is from the Cubs. So, you know, uh, it, it would have been nice to do maybe a little bit more to improve the team this season, at least. And, you know, I don't think that would have stopped us from making moves, you know, that would have helped us later on as well. You don't need a Juan Soto. You don't need, you know, um, yeah. uh, any Jose Quintana or anything like that. But I think one more piece really would have uh, kind of made me feel a little bit better about, you know, some of the other things. Yeah, no, I agree. I would have liked someone out of the bullpen that maybe you could hang your hat on for another, like, couple of years. Maybe as a nice compliment. Um, oh, Devers, get out of town. Here we go. Oh, he's back. Hey, the man. <laughs> That's a little live reaction. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, it gets my fucking dick hard. <laughs> Welcome back, Corita. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. What a deadline acquisition. Yep. Dude, literally. You're going to get Trevor Story back, too, which you kind of forgot about. He's going to be out for a little bit now. He had um, damage in his wrist. I forget exactly what it was, yeah, but I think he had to be shut down for two weeks. So I think they were saying it was like a stress fra- uh, fracture, or something like that, hairline fracture in his in his uh, hand. Um, but yeah, hopefully you get him back at some point too. People are also uh, with the Hosmer uh, with the Hosmer trade. People are underestimating the Casey McDonald effect. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah this is true. We the, we forgot to mention that the goat is back. The goat is back. Having her back at at Fenway is uh, is huge, dude. I completely because I was telling Jack at lunch today too when when the Hosmer thing went down. I was like, I was thinking, I'm like, dude, I'm pretty sure he's like married to somebody from Boston. It was like I was I couldn't pinpoint who it was, and then I I, I looked it up and I was like, oh shit, that's right, it was Casey McDonald from Nesson. Yep. 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 The Casey McDonald, she is fucking unbelievable. Absolutely oh, yeah. electric. Welcome home. Yep. <laughs> I'm coming home. 
Come How you doing? Yeah. <laughs> um, did you guys have any uh, any deadline winners? Obviously, the Padres. They made some pretty massive moves. Yeah, it's hard to argue the Padres didn't win. Yankees made some good moves. I'll give them that. You know, Jack, what do you? What, surprise, well, you're the surprise. you're They're the still going to lose to the Astros. Jack's the resident, um, you know, Nats guy here. So, what what were your 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 thoughts on uh, on Soto? It was going to happen. I mean, the Nats did make the right move doing it now, and that's almost what I'm more surprised about. Where, um, you know, you weren't going to compete for the rest of this year. You weren't even going to compete in 2023, and probably not even 2024 with the way. The club is currently going, so you got the most out of them. Um, yeah, obviously, there was a huge bidding war. They got a ton back. Um, Josh Bell, you know, he was going to go anyway, so might as well add on to the value. So um, it sucks. You know, Juan Soto was my favorite player on the Nats. He was everybody's favorite player on the Nats. He's, you know, league round guy uh, that every just about, you know, everybody loves except for maybe a few fucking boomers in St. Louis now um, that, uh, you know, judges attitude based on the way he shuffles and everything. But, um, you know, he, he's essentially um, the best guy that you could have gotten on a team friendly deal in almost MLB history. So glad that he's going to get an opportunity to win again. That lineup's going to be nasty, especially with Tatis coming back now. So yeah. um, hopefully, you know, I don't really care for the Dodgers winning, so hopefully I would rather see the Padres beat yeah. the Dodgers. And, and honestly, it'll all at the end of the day, as long as the Yankees don't win a World Series, and I think that right now, I mean, they're probably the third or fourth best team in Major League Baseball on paper, you know, on paper. So I'll take that all day. Um, I, I would say also another interesting thing, you could make the argument that Juan Soto, this trade, he was the most – a valuable athlete, like value wise, like that's maybe ever been traded. Like there's yeah. no, like he had he was team control. He's a, a top three player in the league. Like there, there's just I don't know if you can Dude, get twenty three years old too. Twenty man. exactly twenty three yeah. years old. He he's an icon and he he has the personality. Just like he's just a five tool player. Like I, I don't think that you can find a more valuable player that's ever been traded in sports. Like there's been better like legacy guys that have been traded, but right now Juan Soto with team control for the next two years, plus um, just the prime of his career. I just, I, I don't think that there's ever been a, a more valuable athlete traded. Dude. And if you're Juan Soto going from DC to San Diego, Jesus Christ, dude. Yeah. Just in general. <laughs> Like, forget about no. baseball. I know. He, he, God damn. He must, he must be really happy. Like, I, I think that I, I just looking at the trade, it's like, obviously, that's a lot of good prospects there, including their number one prospect. But like, I think that any like to me, I think any team could have done that. Like, I'm not saying any team would have wanted to, but. I mean, the Red Sox definitely had the horses to do that. Yeah. If they wanted. I mean, if it would if it, if. Hypothetically, if the Red Sox are going to make that trade, obviously Myers in that, um, maybe even like Tristan Cassius is in that. Uh, what do you think, Jack? What, what would the uh, what would the package be if you if it were to be like a Red Sox deal? Like I don't even know because half of like the guys the Nats traded for were like major league ready, 
And yeah. I'm not yeah. sure we quite have anybody that's like that. Of course, you know, uh, probably Myers and Cassis and um, uh, even Bayo probably would have been in the deal. But outside of that, I mean, I'm not sure we uh, obviously, you know, we were never in the mix. We were never actually going right. to do it, but it would be like our top three, four guys like and um, I, I don't think, you know, that would have been the right move to make. That's why we didn't do it. Exactly. I don't think anybody's arguing other than that. Yeah, I, I agree. I guess the one thing you kind of do like overlook is that they are those are like there are major league ready players in there. Like pro- prospect wise, the Nats didn't really do that great. Like they got the number one prospect, but like, but also then they got some major league ready players. So it's like you would have had to trade like I don't know, like Duran, Verdugo, maybe, yeah, and then Meyer, and then like Bale, you know, and then maybe and then like. like Tanner I don't Howard. know, maybe. I don't know. Bobby Dahlbeck. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we can give you, you Bobby you Dahlbeck. Take Bobby Dahlbeck. He, he's Franchi certainly Gordon. a major league baseball player. He has a number and everything. <laughs> just, uh, just don't include Christian Vasquez because Red Sox Twitter will fucking shit their pants. I think it just was unfortunate that was the first move. If we did some of the other stuff and then traded Vasquez, I think people would have been able to kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel a little bit more, but because that was the first thing, like people were just going to assume that it was a fucking fire sale, which just wasn't the case at the end of the day. Yeah, right. that is true. I, I yeah. think a lot of people did think that once Vasquez got traded, they were like, all right, JD's next, Devaldi's after, and like they, I, they, I think a lot of people thought the Vasquez deal was just going to lead to just a complete sell. Yeah, I think that that is, that is a good point, and it seemed like maybe it was like a prelude for things to come. But I, I never felt like this. the Red Sox were going to be in full sell mode. I felt like that unless they got a deal for, like, J.D. or Nate that, like, absolutely knocked their socks off, then I felt like they were always going to hang on to them. I, I'm a little surprised that they they did trade Vasquez without trading the other guys. But I, I don't disagree with it in, in the fucking slightest. As Kevin Plucky drops a fucking pop-up. This is what I get. This is what I get. <laughs> you goddamn idiot. Christian Vasquez would have had that. <laughs> oh, dude, Jack, yeah. we gotta tell we gotta tell Lebo about your boy at the train station on Sunday. Oh, at yeah, the Tasty so, Bee. Yeah, we we uh, hit up the Tasty Bee at the train station uh, the it. other day, and uh, as is tradition. Uh-huh. We, we had plenty of trains to catch, so uh, we the, that that is the nice thing about a nice Sunday game. You you can right. enjoy some tasty be at the train station before you know getting abandoned there until uh, two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, guy next to us, you know, we're obviously all in a Red Sox stuff talking shit. He's like, yeah, eighty percent of the team's gonna be gone by the end of next year. You know, trust me, I have a friend in the organization. You know, everybody's going to be gone. I was like, yeah, okay, sure, buddy. (laughs) Like, just literally, like, ignored him because I was like, you literally have no idea what you're talking about. Dude, it's so crazy. He literally said he was like, 80% of the roster is not going to be here on opening day. (laughs) Like, okay. Bogey gone. Deva's gone. He's like, JD's gone. Avaldi's gone. What I I, I understand is, like, Red Sox ownership has committed to winning since day one and granted maybe they're going to do things a little bit differently 
But like, what are the un- what's the underlying fear from Red Sox fans here? Like that Heimblum was hired as like some fucking shyster to or, to like sabotage the organization, so we literally sucked. Like, Red Sox ownership has a budget, and they're gonna stretch it so they can become as profitable as possible, because that's how you 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 make money, like by putting a good yeah. team on the field. Like they're not gonna put out like a fucking fifty million dollar payroll, like piece of shit. You know, like Pittsburgh Pirates team, like they're gonna. People compete. just wouldn't show up, right? People wouldn't show up, and they would be. People go forced. to the Bruins. People go to the Celtics. People will do right. other stuff than waste their money on Red Sox. We're not like the Rockies, where you know our model is to just kind of be an average team and you know uh, keep payrolls down as possible. Like it, these things actually do matter to us. And apart from you know a few bad years like 2020 and like 2012 and a handful of other ones. Like we have at least been competitive, even if it has not gone our way. Yeah. And, and we've and, won four world series. Right. Exactly. And and I think the thing that the Red Sox are trying to do is they're just trying to be sustainable. So they don't have the 2012s, the 2014s, the 2015s, you know, the 2020s. I, I think that they're just trying to make it so if they have a bit of a down year, it's more like a 2006 or like a 2010 where it's like a bridge year. Maybe you came a few games short of the playoffs, um, but you're not like you're not finishing in last. Um, and I think that's really the, the goal is to be sustainable once again, where you're not constantly tearing down, rebuilding, tearing down, rebuilding and the, the, the cycle. Um, but yeah, I mean, Red Sox fans need to be, not necessarily patient, because I'm not patient either. Like, I don't like when you see a bunch of prospects that are hoarded and they don't have a first baseman. But, like, they need to see the, the full picture. Nothing wrong with that. Not at all. Yeah. Could be worse. We could be the Yankees. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> could like, be. We, we could be on, like, the cusp of, like, winning almost all the time. And then never do. Or like we could be bad for some years and then actually win a championship because that's kind of been a little bit of the pattern um, apart from like 104 where we're good the last few years before then. But like, yeah, 06, like 05, 06, Red Sox weren't doing anything. 1 and 07, 13, we obviously had that collapse in 2011 um, and the shitty team in 2012. And even 2018, I know we made the playoffs in 16 and 17. Before that, we were dog shit. And even in 16 and 17, you know, we weren't doing anything those years. I don't think any Sox fan really actually thought we were going to win the World Series because we just weren't built to. And John Farrell was not going to lead us there. Uh, Honestly, Farrell really fucked the Red Sox because 2016, like that team absolutely fucked. I don't care what anyone says. So the 2016 Red Sox, like you had Hanley. He was fucking dropping bombs. David Ortiz was still absolutely raking. It was his last year. Mookie Betts was playing MVP baseball. Xander Bogarts was good. Like, they had the, the, the horses. Like, we had everything. We had it all in 2016. Wasn't that Rick Porcello, Cy Young? Rick Porcello yeah. on the fucking Cy Young. <laughs> they had um, they had a good... Who's the... Didn't they have a good closer? Who Or was it... They, they, you know, they, they didn't have a closer. That was the issue. Yeah, I think so. Because then they got Kimbrel. That's right. They did get Kimbrel in uh, 17. So who was, like, closing? Hmm. 
It wasn't Koji. Koji was already gone, right? Yeah, he was gone. Yeah. Like Andrew Bailey, LOL. No. Could have been me or you. Could have been. Oh, 2016, uh, Travis Shaw was good. Oh, yeah, he he beat out Pablo Sandoval for the starting job at the beginning of the year, people forgetting. Yep. Um. Oh. <laughs> that was Kimbrell in 16. They did have great yeah. Kimbrell. Yeah. Jesus Christ, what a team. He didn't Tozawa. have the best year, but he was still pretty good. Yeah, Tozawa. He was like. Great in 18, obviously. Oh. Koji was still on the team. No. Yeah. Yeah, he and was. He, so so Kimbrell, Kimbrell had like an okay season. You know, Matt Barnes was kind of bad. Robbie Ross was decent. Tazawa was decent. Koji was pretty decent. Um, oh, Brad Ziegler was good that year. No, yeah, we got him at the deadline, I think. Yep, that was a deadline acquisition for sure. Henry Owens was on that team. Yep, he can fucking hit a pole. Oh, Fernando yeah. Abad. <laughs> Fernando Abad. Hey, oh, yeah. That was also a deadline acquisition. Yep. Yeah, that team, man. For Pat Light. Pat Light. Fuck yeah. Pat Light. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, there, there is one thing that we need to address as a podcast uh, before we wrap up here, though. Sure. And that is the complete and utter embarrassment of Matt Galveo during the 999 challenge at the All-Star game. Uh, so for those of you who haven't seen, because the TikTok never went up, also for Matt Galveo, um, <laughs> uh, we did do the 999 challenge uh, on the All-Star game. Uh, me and Matt LeBeau finished it with flying colors with over an inning to go. Uh, Mac Alveo, what was it? Final count, eight beers, five hot dogs. That's right. So what do you think your fucking problem is? <laughs> um, I think I might have gone a little bit too slow on the dogs. And um, I think I filled up on the beers too fast. And then I couldn't do the dogs. I mean, I didn't complete either one. So, I mean, I, I can't even, you know. I don't, yeah. I don't really know. I don't really know what happened. I I think I just I, I think I just you know didn't pace myself the right way on the hot dogs. The hot dogs were very were hard, but I am proud that I at least finished five though. The dogs were hard. I thought you finished the beers. You didn't finish the beers. No, I I was drinking the ninth beer in the ninth inning, and I didn't finish the entire thing before the game was actually over. Wow. I did dr- I did drink nine beers, just not in the nine innings. Wow. Yeah. That's really People tough. People are saying I couldn't finish, dude. That's all People, right, man. Not a finish. People yet. are saying you're a little, like, crybaby piss boy, but, you know. <laughs> That's that, why not, I got traded. That's yeah, why that, I got traded. It, exactly. I mean, it, it's a clubhouse chemistry thing, so, you know, we'll have to figure out a good punishment. If you're listening right now, um, we want to hear some ideas about, you know, how we should publicly shame you for disgracing the podcast clearly um, i uh didn't have much value because i was traded for a uh for cash considerations and a player to be named later so my value was probably at an all-time low but the player is portland pickle so <laughs> it is um, so, i mean that is pretty good i guess matt you betrayed the arizona diamondbacks here's the uh name for the uh, traveling secretary he's a good guy he, he's awaiting your call <laughs> wish you the best of luck <laughs> 
<laughs> That's so funny because Jack was spitting out uh, money ball references at me today, too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's the best day to do it. Yeah. It is. It is. The whole the the whole day I had my I had in my head, I was just like, Dombrowski on line one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is uh Reese McGuire. He's a great defensive catcher. His <laughs> his only defect is he gets horny in parking lots. <laughs> Dude, that is a fun you gotta tweet that out. Yeah, that, I'm I'm sure someone has to have done that, but if you ha- they haven't, then please do that. Yeah, yeah. I think I'll do it tomorrow for his start. Yeah. If you're listening yeah. on drop day, look forward to that tweet. You you just got an inside information into my dumb meme brain. Uh, Verbal meme. Yeah. DMTMTM. <laughs> oh man. What a day though. Yeah, what a day. Yeah, I mean, I can't complain. You know, JD's still here, Nate's still here. <laughs> I think you got to still feel good about where, I mean, about where they are, you know, the direction that they're headed in. Um, yep. It's nice that they didn't, you know, completely sell. Um, so, I mean, the, these next couple of months um, are going to be huge. So uh, I'm looking forward to see Hosmer um, in the lineup. I think he's going to actually, uh, he tweeted, I think he's actually showing up uh, for Thursday in Kansas, uh, in City. Kansas City. Yeah. So, He'll make his debut then, and uh, yeah, dude, it's nice to have a first baseman. But yeah, and uh, my job is done because I successfully chased Christian Vasquez out of town. Um, yeah, you did. Yeah, but but l- listen to this. Red Sox stats just tweeted this. According to the Associated Press, the Red Sox owe Eric Cosmer in 2022 246,000, in 2023 720,000, in 2024 740,000, and in 2025. 760,000. So for the next three years and these last two months, the Red Sox won't even pay Eric Hosmer. That's about 2.5 million dollars. (laughs) I mean, that's talk about team friendly. I mean, that's about as team friendly as it gets. I mean, you're not even going to get that from a minus war player, but let alone a guy that you know, we'll play gold glove, gold glove caliber defense. And hopefully, you know, being in Fenway, change of scenery, maybe for 23 and 24, maybe you can get some time. 25, I mean, who the fuck knows? Really Eric Cosmer is not going to be on this team in 2025. I'm no. just going to throw that out there right <laughs> no. now. There's not a chance Eric Cosmer's on this team in 2025. Think about 2023 if he's on the team anymore. 2025, LOL. If I, I swear to God, if I fucking wake up in a, like, if I go in a coma and I wake up three and a half years from now and Eric Hosmer's on this team, I'll be pretty upset. I will be. Yeah. I don't, I don't care if it's for free. I don't care if somebody else paid that fucking chump change or whatever that we're paying Bobby Dahlbeck instead. But yeah, no, there's, I, I I will eat a shoe if that happens. <laughs> it's, it's on record now. It's on record. <laughs> I can't believe Red Sox fans like wanted to so nothing to do with Eric Hosmer for like years. Everyone was like, "Do not get Eric Hosmer." Do not that get was Eric me. Hosmer. That was me. I'm gonna admit that. I'm gonna no, throw myself. It right was you and, and literally every other Red Sox fan too. And now we have him for the next four years <laughs> for <Pretty> nothing. Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. 
Well, interesting day. Does it? Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, I'm gonna enjoy the rest of this game. Yeah. Uh, It's two to one in the seventh. So you know, go Sox. Yeah. Do it. I mean, if you can take two out of three in Houston, you know what? We'll fucking take it. Absolutely. One hundred percent. Back on. World Series back on. Yeah. I'm in the corner watching you.